know how that's going to work if you're going to be able to record the sermon or not. Trin, is it recording? Great, thank you. So what I want to talk about today is taking the place of a watchman. The Lord talks about having a watchman on the wall. And what a watchman does is a watchman is, is looking. And it's looking for stuff that's, that's coming, the enemy, to make sure that, that everyone's taken care of. Everyone else, usually there's watchmen on the wall and they're, they're there every 24-7. They're, they're on the wall and they're watching and protecting. But God also has a concept of a watchman on the wall as being a person who's seeing what's going on and speaking life into that situation, which we'll see in the passage of Scripture we get to. And it's going to be in the middle. I'm not going to start out there. But I wanted to talk about something that I see taking place at various levels. This has a lot of different applications and you'll see what I mean. So, uh, for example, um, long time ago, I can't even remember how many years ago it was, we were having prayer meetings, and I was going to various prayer meetings in our church as well as other locations. And so we were going to these different prayer meetings, and I noticed what I considered to be a pattern in the prayer meetings is that many people were focusing on the negative. And so they were, we were getting together and it was like this. This was the gist of the prayers. And it would be like, oh God, our country's in such bad shape. There's so much violence. There's so much, there's so much drugs. There's so much this. And oh God, there's so many homes being wrecked. There's so much this. And, and it seemed like person after person would just focus on the negative and never really come up with a solution or come up and really pray they just go, God, take it away, kind of a thing, you know, and they began to focus. And, and so what I did is I just, one of our prayer meetings, I said, you know what, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna start focusing on the positive, and we're going to start focusing on the solution more than just focus. Because when we focus, sometimes I'd get out of those prayer meetings, and I'd be depressed. Well, man, everything's falling apart. And, you know, I'm going to tell you this. I don't know, you know, your news habits and all that kind of stuff and your, your reading and all that stuff. But if you focus on the news and you focus on that, you're going to be depressed. You're going to think this nation stinks and everything's terrible, everything's bad because it's the bad, terrible things that get make news. And you're going to go, oh, things are so terrible looking at the news. It's so bad. It's so bad. And that can happen. So that can happen on, on the level for our nation when we're, we're thinking about our nation. But it can happen at uh, another level. I have people I know over the years, and some, some people I even call friends, that they have a negative view of the church. Oh, the church, the church is just, it's so fallen short of what God wants it to be. We need to get back to the Acts church. Oh, the church, oh, the church. Oh, you know, nobody's really praying, nobody's really believing, nobody's doing this, nobody's doing that. And every time I talk to them, that's what they're focusing on. They don't see God doing any good work, doing great things, doing wonderful things. Oh, it's just, oh, the church. Church is Christ's bride. Come on, quit picking on her. Does it have problems? Yeah, every every 
person has, individual person has situations in their lives that aren't perfect according to the glory of God. The church has troubles. We understand that. But to sit and focus and pray and bring it before God and say, God, look at this. This is terrible. The church is terrible. It does not accomplish anything as far as positive things. How about this? We can do the same thing with our kids. We can do the same thing with our husbands. We can do the same thing with our wives. We can say, oh, you know, my husband's terrible. Oh, my kid. Uh, this is, I've had people introduce or, or talk about their kids. This is my problem child. <coughs> oh, I, I don't worry about my other kids, but this kid's a problem. And that's because they're focusing on the problem. Now, I'm going to get to the good part, so stick with me, okay? Just stick with me here, because you might get bummed out and say, I don't quit preaching this. You're bumming me out. But what can happen, or, or even situations, relationships with parents, relationships with brothers and sisters, relationships outside of our family, all these things, they can be negative, and what happens is our, our eyes can get focused on the negative so that we fail to see any of the positive, and we fail to even proactively pray and move. And that's what God's calling us to be as watchmen on the wall. So we can, we can see all these things. And here's what I want to say now that I've given you kind of an understanding. Situations at work, it doesn't have to be just family. Oh, everything's so bad, you know, and everything's so terrible. All right. So when we do this, and it's natural when things are, when we're having struggles with individuals and relationships, when we're having difficulties or we're seeing our nation, it seems like it's falling apart and, and things are just going the way that we don't want them to go. We can get so caught up in the negative behavior, behavior that we forget the promises of God. We can just look, see, but, and the reason being is because it's right there. And we have to deal with it. And it's there on a daily basis. You don't go, you know, there's, there's never a good news day. Is there? Have you ever heard it? I, wouldn't it be nice if once a year we said good news and that's all you can put on there? It doesn't really matter what happens, what took place. Everything's good. Now, there are good news stories, but the preponderance is, is negative. And, and especially depending on what, where you go for your news, super negative. And so what happens is this negative behavior begins to consume us. And, and it's easy to do because what we do is we see it before us day after day. And it just gets to be overwhelming. And so what happens is the more we focus in on the negative, the less we see the positive. The more we focus in and zero in on something, the more that it consumes our thinking. And so if, if you look for news, let's say, I'm not saying you do this, I'm just saying, <laughs> but if, if, if I go, I used to do this, all right, I'd see a news article, oh, that looks interesting, and I'd start reading it, and then I'd go read four or five news things and then I'd find out okay this guy was a mass murderer and he did this and then I'd start reading about all the details why do I need to know the details of a mass murder why do I need to fill my brain with all the things why do I need to fill my brain with 
how he was thinking, how he did things, the exact way that he went and the exact way that he did. And so I would fill my mind with these things and I'd find out I, I just it just was getting to be overwhelming to me. And I said, no, I can't do this anymore. And I just refused to do it. I'll see a headline and things like that. Of course, I, I do it for basic general information like this took place here so you can pray for people in the situation, the circumstances, but I don't go trying to find out all these details because it begins to just consume me. And the more that we're consumed with all these kind of things, it overwhelms us and we don't see all the good that's going on. We don't see, you know, oh, the church is terrible. Well, it's, that's a generalization. There's so many good churches in America. There's so many good churches in this city. There's so many good people that are doing things for God and bringing people to 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 know him and to experience God. And so there's a lot of stuff going on. But if if every time you talk to someone, all they can talk about is how bad the church is and how terrible things are. And oh, if only we got back to the good old days. You know, we're pressing in for the life of God. We're pressing in to see what he has because there's more and we know it. We're not experiencing the fullness of his salvation. But we're not knocking what we have because he's doing good things. He's doing good things. And you see what I'm saying? The negative can begin to overcome everything else and we fail to see the good in a circumstance and situation. And when we do that, we can miss what God's doing. Because God is at work in every situation. I don't care where it's at, I care what it is. He's at work. And He'll be more at work as we pray and intercede and move. He'll begin to do those things that, that, that take place. So then what happens now is that when all we see this stuff all the time, or we, we have, well, I'll give you an example now. None of these illustrations are people from our church, so don't say, is he telling my story? Is he telling me on me? No, I'm not. There's enough people that I know and minister to outside of this church that I'm, that a lot of people. And so they come and they'll ask me stuff or they'll say different things or they'll ask for my advice or they'll ask for prayer. I get calls, I get people all the time. So none of these are in the church. But guess what? You might be in a situation that's very similar and so you're going to say, well, it sounds just like me. Well, no. Well, maybe it is, but it's not you. Okay, I just like to tell you that because, yeah, you, you... telling my stuff i don't just like that so so i had one mom contact me and she has a child that is totally consuming their family this child has this uh uh, they, I don't, can't, can't remember what they called it. It's a defiance thing and, stand, you know, and saying violent things and saying they're going to kill family members, saying they're going to do all this and all this stuff going on in their life and, and happening there. And as I was talking to this mom, I said, you know, um, I said, uh, well, we'll get to this in a minute, I guess, more detail. But I said, I said, what? What are God's promises for your daughter? She goes, I don't know. 
says, who does God say your daughter is? Well, I never never thought about that. I said, I do for my other kids, but I, I, I don't for her. I said, that's because your focal point is on the behavior. And you're looking at the behavior. And you're not seeing the person. And that's so easy to do because we're so tired of the behavior. <laughs> Especially if it's, you know, this resistant thing and they're, they're doing things that are actually disturbing and consuming your whole family. And another, you know, different ones, you, you name it. There, there are some of us in this room that know people who are, are addicted to drugs. And they're addicted to drugs. They're addicted to alcohol. They're addicted to other things. And it begins to consume a family. And a parent looks at their child and sees them walking down this road. And, and they're, they're totally doing things. And it, their life's just being ruined by what they're going through. And all they can focus on is that kid. And all they can focus on is what they're doing. And the idea is, i got to stop this behavior. But there's something behind the behavior that needs to be touched. So the behavior will stop. You know, just quit. There's a reason people are doing the things they do. And a lot of times, uh, we can just grow weary because we look at the situation. We've tried. We've prayed. We've done all these different things and nothing begins to happen. And then what we do is we see their behavior and then we start getting a bad attitude. And... It's, it's easy. It's so easy. You know? I'm going to respond back to you, or, you know, those kind of things that we can do. And so we respond negatively then, rather than in love. And our negative responses aren't going to bring life. The only thing that's going to bring life is the love of Jesus Christ. It's just the way it is. I think the kindness of God that brings forth repentance in those things. So we get a bad attitude. And then what we do is we become reactive rather than proactive. So this situation happens and it's over and over and over and over. It's just never ending. And so we always react to each situation and each time something takes place rather than being proactive. And I'm going to show you how to do that in a minute. We're just trying to make it through the day. We're just trying to get through, like that mom says, we just try to get through every day and see if we can keep things even keel at all. And I said, well, what kind of... I said, how, how are you praying for your daughter? You know, all the prayers are basically help her stop doing what she's doing. I said, oh, I have some ideas for you. And we're going to cover that here in a minute. And what happens then, we begin to speak death rather than life. We speak death rather than life. And we speak to people and we say, you're this and you're that. You're a brat. You know, we say stuff well worse than that sometimes. But you know what I'm trying to say? Instead of saying that behavior that you're doing is not right, we go, you're a brat, you're rebellious, you're this, you're that, you're this. And we've got them attitude towards them. And so when we speak to them, we're speaking death rather than life. 
All right. End of that part. Aren't you glad? But I got to get that part out. Because that's kind of how it goes. There's probably even more I could say about this. So how does God deal with a problem child? How does God deal with a problem wife? Because isn't Israel, didn't he say, you are my chosen, like you're my, my child and those things? Didn't he, he say, you're my wife? You know, he's using word pictures to show a relationship. And he uses word pictures to show that these guys are like a rebellious child. You're, you're rebelling against me. You're moving against me. You're acting in certain ways that are not right. You're acting, and, you know, especially when he says to, to, to like when they're worshiping idols, that they're, they're actually whoring around because they're married to him. That's the word picture. So the scripture I'm going to talk about today is actually in the book of Isaiah. And it is, book of Isaiah, got to put this in context so you see what we're talking about. Isaiah's goal, his call from God, it's, it's one of the worst calls in my mind in the Bible. Him and Jeremiah. Because God says, I want you to speak to this people, and I want you to speak to a people who will not listen to you. I want you to speak to them and tell them the same thing over and over and over in different ways, but I want you to speak to them over and over and over, but they will not listen to you. That's your mission. Well, thanks. What about people liking you? What about people valuing your ministry? Well, his ministry was to speak to Israel that was rebelling against God, that was walking away from the covenant, and begin to speak that if you refuse to turn, there's going to be judgment that is going to come upon you. Your behavior is not right. Judgment is going to come upon you. You're going to be taken away to the land of Babylon. So this is the context. This is the context of a, a rebellious nation, a people that are not following after God, and he's speaking these words, and they're not listening. But God, here's how God is. He'll tell us something 25 times to try to help us turn. But he's, that's why he's gracious. He's gracious and long-suffering. He doesn't just go, Boop, that's it. Man, if that was the case, we'd all be gone. We would have no church right now. But he's gracious. He's long-suffering. He speaks to them over and over and over. But God, because he knows who they are, he says, even though I do this, they're not going to listen. But I'm going to do it because this is who I am. I want them to turn. I want them to respond to me. I want them to believe. I want them to come to me because that's what this relationship is all about. And so he seeks to bring them and to, to draw them. And then here's what the Lord says, Isaiah chapter 62. What does God do when he's looking to take care of like a rebellious people or a wife who's whoring around? First, God speaks promises. And then God raises up watchmen. God speaks forth his promises. 
And by the way, these promises that he's going to speak to them are based upon the promises to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Because Israel is the basis of the promise to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So God's promises are piggybacked upon other promises. It's kind of cool. He brings these promises because of his original promise. Are you ready? This is good stuff now. Get ready. Light your hair on fire. Wahoo! Here we go. For Zion's sake. This is God speaking. You'll see in a minute because I think verse 5 or whatever or 6 lets us know who, who it is. Huh? Chapter 62. Isaiah 62. For Zion's sake, I will not keep silent. And for Jerusalem's sake, I will not keep quiet. Now he's speaking about a city, but you realize people live in a city. He's not talking about the bricks and mortar. But he's talking about a location and a people who live within that. So he says, I will not keep silent and for Jerusalem, I will not keep quiet until her righteousness goes forth to brightness. God says, I'm going to keep speaking. I'm going to keep believing. I'm going to keep asking you know, on their behalf that they listen and respond. See, God's given us an opportunity to respond to him. That's why things get so messed up, because we have a free will to choose. So God says, I'm going to keep going till the righteousness goes forth like the brightness, her salvation like a torch that is burning. The nations will see your righteousness, all the kings your glory, and you will be called by a new name which the mouth of the Lord will designate. You will be a crown of beauty in the hands of the Lord, a royal diadem in the hand of your God. I will no it will no longer be said of you forsaken. Nor will the land any longer be called desolate. But you will be called my delight is in her. That's a good name. My delight is in her. Your land married, for the Lord delights in you. And to him your land will be married. And for... As a young man marries a virgin, so your sons will marry you. And as the bridegroom rejoices over the bride, so your God will rejoice over you. And here's where it comes. God's giving them these promises. He's talking to a rebellious people who are in idolatry. He's talking to people who are in the midst of all the things. Just like I'm saying, you look out and you see the situation in America. You look out and you see the situation in the church. You look out and you see the situation in your family. You see these things and God says, I'm going to speak promises into those things. And he begins to speak, and he spoke those words. Then he says this, verse 6, On your walls, O Jerusalem, I have appointed watchmen. That's how we know it's God speaking. Because <laughs> he is appointing. It's not Isaiah appointing them. God is appointing them. And he says, On your walls, O Jerusalem, I have appointed watchmen. All day and all night they will never keep silent. And it says, you who remind the Lord. We're going to really focus on that concept. You who remind the Lord. 
Take no rest for yourselves and give him no rest until he establishes and makes Jerusalem a praise of the earth. So God says, here's my promise to you. Here's what I want to see take place in your life and what I want to have happen. And now I'm appointing people to pray that very thing in. They're going to stand on the walls. They're going to look at the situation, but they're going to proclaim what I say. They're going to proclaim my promises. They're going to proclaim my truth. And they're going to do it until it happens. Now that means it might take some time sometimes. But I'm going to do it. They're going to do it until it happens. Until it actually begins to take place. So my question is, how do we become watchmen? And the lucky thing is I know how to answer that question because I wrote the sermon. And it's in the Bible. (laughs) Ah, funny. First thing is, obviously, you have to know God. That's, That's not part of my answer. It's just a, it's a given. But I want to say it just so, because that's a given. But by knowing the promises of God. So this mother with this child, do you know what I told her to do? I suggested this. I says, you need to spend time with the Lord and ask him, what is your promises for my child? What are your promises? Because God has called each person. God has set each person in each family. God has a reason for each of us. Each of us and each of our the, the folks we're maybe struggling with. Every one of them. Our children are called of the Lord. Every one of them has purpose. And so we get the promises of God and say, God, what do you say? What do you say about my son? What do you say about my daughter? What do you say about my wife? What do you say about my husband? What do you say about this work situation? What do you say about America? But to get the promises of God, because the promises of God are the basis for everything that we have. And so we get the promises of God for our nation, for the church, for our family. What prophetic words have been spoken? What words have been given? Some of us, I remember Josh, I think he got his first prophetic word that I'm aware of. He got his first prophetic word in a high chair. He was a little kid, sitting in a high chair. Probably stuff all over his face because he wasn't a neat eater. And most babies aren't. They And someone comes in and goes, Thus saith the Lord. And it's a prophetic word. What kind of words have been spoken over them? Because when what takes place is the enemy comes in to destroy the call of God in our lives. And he'll do it through whatever means he possibly can. And so for us, it's so important to know the promises so that we can pray the promises. So he gives this stuff in Isaiah 62. Then he says, I've set watchmen. And guess what? They're reminding God of the promises day and night till they happen. You say, why do you have to remind God? That's dumb. He knows everything. 
It's not dumb. He wants us to cooperate. He wants us to partner with Him. He wants us to raise our children in the Lord so that they can fulfill the purpose and call of God. He, he wants us to support them and to be with them. He wants us to have relationships that are good between husband and wife. He wants us to have relationships that are good between parents and children. All these different things that we're talking about. But we have to know the promises. So I told her, find the promises. I told her, find the promises. And then what I want you to do, once you know those promises, once you know the call, once you know the purpose, I want you to go in even at night. You know, this is for a kid. You know, you know I suppose you could do this for an adult too. But when the kid goes to sleep, go in there and begin to speak the promises. Begin to just, you don't have to scream or yell or do anything. Just go there. God's called you to be this. And begin to speak to them. It gets in their spirit. Begin to speak to them their purpose. Begin to speak to them their things. And then sometimes during the day do it too. Just do it naturally as you go through the day. You know, it's so hard. It's so hard when, like they're being defined, doing the exact opposite. You want to just go crazy. But to begin to learn to deal with the actions of what they're doing and begin to speak into them. This is what God has for you, not necessarily in the midst of doing discipline. By the way, God's discipline is always redemptive. His discipline, He seeks to discipline us because He loves us. He seeks to bring us in the way of life because He loves us. Punishment is never punishment. Sometimes when we're, when we're upset, when we're angry, when we're tired, we want to punish we don't want to discipline and seek to bring them to the Lord and to the ways of the Lord. What we want to do is whoop them. Well, what do you think? Are you like me or not? Knock it off! Whoop! There's no redemption. There's no saying, hey, we don't act this way and here's why. And then move on to discipline. Maybe you have to whomp. But hitting someone in anger doesn't help them. Does not help. So I said, just go over, do those things, and then begin to just speak. Because what happens when, I, when our vision is on just the negative, we don't see the things, and we don't pray, and we don't... What we pray for, a lot of times it's like this. Lord, help me with my kid! Help me get, stop them from doing this. But when we begin to pray proactively, when we begin to pray when, when we're not in the midst of a situation, and to take it, I take authority in the name of Jesus over this child. You've placed this child in my life. I take that authority as a parent, and I stand against every spirit working against them, every lie that's in their mind. And you know your kids, you know your husband, you know your wife, you know the things that they're believing that are lies. And to begin to take captive every, every thought that's, that's not obedient to Christ, that, that doesn't line up with His truth. Even if they're not saved, it really doesn't matter because we're seeking to pray God's purpose on them. And so you begin to 
to battle in the spiritual realm because the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty to the pulling down of strongholds. And so we say, in the name of Jesus, I break down every lie. And then, by the way, if you know the situations and the traumas that are, have been in a person's life, you can begin to pray even against those and against the triggers that are there that, that rise up within the person because of, of some traumatic experience that's been on their life. And you can begin to pray, God, just heal them from that and begin to work in their lives, begin to show them that they can make different choices and, and begin to speak life to them and begin to pray as a watchman and say, God, I'm calling you to remembrance. You said my child will be a prophet of God. You said my child will be one who goes to the nations. Or whatever. You know what I'm saying. We speak forth those things to the Lord and over them until we see them. Okay. I want to say this. And I ask, I ask Josh every once in a while if it's okay if I say stuff about him. And he says, yeah, it's okay. It's a good man. <laughs> <laughs> I've gone through this. I know what it's, what it's like. I've gone through it in a variety of different levels gone through it when when my son who's had prophetic words over his whole life that God was going to use him in a great way that God was going to use him and and that he was he was going to touch people's lives and transform people's lives and then when he's a teen when when before he, he even hits his teens something happens in his life where the enemy's coming against him and then that his heart changes and he rebels and he goes his different way and his mom and dad are so stressed out that you could almost play a violin on their the cord in my neck because it's so taut you could just play violin on that only one note but still it would be there that I'm just can't so taut all I can see is what he's doing and it's driving me crazy so I'm not just giving you la-la, pie-in-the-sky, feel-great stuff. But unless we begin to attack the actual problem, we're not going to see the right answer. Until we're willing to begin to pray proactively and not just look at what our kid's doing, not look at what our husband's doing, not look what our wife's doing, not just look at the negative things that our nation is doing, but begin to pray the solution then we can begin to expect to see some change. And who knows if it's going to be quick or not. God, just do it till you see it come about. I don't know. What do you think? I don't want, I never want to preach stuff that's just absolute perfection, where everything's perfect, 
And what I mean by everything's perfect. Well, if you're following Jesus, then every, every person in your family knows Jesus. And every person in your family is 100% healed and whole. And everyone's so happy every second of the life. La, 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 we love Jesus. And do all this stuff and try to communicate in a way that says everything has to be this absolute perfection level because there's no such thing on earth. That's why Jesus is coming back. That's why Jesus is bringing a new heaven and a new earth. That's why Jesus is bringing new bodies. I think I preached a while. Sorry, guys, I just looked. Ooh, jeepers. Good thing we're eating here. I don't want to make it lala. There's a fight going on. There's a battle going on. It's a spiritual battle, and we have to stand up and fight. Don't you love it how God, he talks to Jeremiah this way. He talks to, <laughs> he talks to um, Job. He says, stand up like a man. He's, okay. And he says, I'm going to have a talk with you. That we stand up, but we stand up in the power of the Lord and the strength of His might. That we put on the full armor of God, that we can stand against the wiles of the enemy. That we understand that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're powerful to pulling down. That we fight spiritual battles with spiritual weapons. Sometimes we'll see quick responses, and sometimes maybe not. But we pray the promises of God. We remind him, God, this is what you've promised. And I'm praying this into my family. I'm praying this into this situation. I'm praying this into my husband. I'm praying this into my wife. I'm praying this into my grandchildren. I'm praying this into my workspace. I'm praying this into America. So we could sit together. I'm going to say one last thing, and then we're going to have communion, and then we're going to eat. Pray for people and then eat. Some people may be eating while I pray for people. I don't care. We're going to do it. When we look at our nation, we can just sit around and lament, oh, our nation's so, it's so pulled apart, it's so divided, it's so, all this stuff. Or we can begin to say, Lord, we pray your answer. We pray for unity. We pray for harmony. We pray for power of your Holy Spirit to move forth to break down every wall that's bringing division and strife and envy and all these different things. God, pour out your Holy Spirit. There's a big difference. Oh God, everything's bad. Oh God, do something. Or find his promises and begin to proclaim them. There you go. I'm just, can you tell? I'm a little intense on this one. But I want us to see, the only way we're going to see God at work is to pray according to the promises of God and to expect them to work in the lives of people. Now, people have a choice, and that's the bummer. Not everything we pray for can can happen because sometimes it's connected to a person's will. But we can pray, Lord, free them in every way in the name of Jesus Christ so that they can make a choice. All right, so let's come. Yes. Yeah. She, yeah. Come on up. 
And then she'll say something quick. We're going to have communion together, so come on up, you know, how we like to do it that way. she talks okay all right you ready yeah well I'm not usually one to come up here but I've just been feeling like like God is telling me to come up here and I, I've never really like felt that so I feel like I needed to listen because I didn't earlier so mm-hmm. <sighs> it's the emotional time of the month so sorry <laughs> <laughs> Plus, I'm a little nervous. I'm getting anxiety about coming up here the whole time. So, anyways, a little backstory about like two and a half years ago, I started getting back pains, and I've just been having chronic back pain since. So, about a year after, one a year and a half ago, we got an MRI just to see like if everything was okay. And on the MRI, we found like a a cyst on my pancreas. So I've been getting like follow up MRIs on that, and everything's good with that. But then on my follow-up in last November, they found a new growth on my liver, and so I had to get an MRI on that. And it was kind of scary at first, but God's really given me peace over the whole thing, and it's been really nice. So um, we had a follow-up MRI on, um, like, four months later, so like two weeks ago. And it grew, and it's, they said it still looks fine, like, and it's like, it doesn't look cancerous, but it's just kind of like, I was never worried about it growing, I was just like, it's okay, like, it's gonna shrink, like, cause, um, they think it's from, I was on birth control for two years for my acne, cause I've, I had really bad acne for the past, like, five years, so I'm off of that, and, um, we thought it would get shrink or stay the same, and it, it got bigger, not a lot, but um, so we did an e-consult with Mayo, and they suggested we get a biopsy and get it like surgically removed. And I'm just kind of like, like radio frequency ablation. Yeah, so like, they would remove it, but they would go in and zap. Like kind of like burn it off. So can turn into cancer. They have yeah. So last week, everyone prayed over me, and um, I think it was Lena. She said, "Anxiety." And that's another thing I've been struggling with really bad for the past year like just really bad anxiety and I don't I don't know why and I just like sometimes I just get physically ill like like my body I just shake and I just I don't know why so that's the main thing is I just like want healing over my anxiety and I and I just am thankful that God's given me peace over the whole like situation in my body I'm not really worried about it I don't I don't really think about it, to be honest. It's just kind of, like, scary talking about it, I guess. I just kind of pretend it's not happening. But I just want to feel like God wants me to declare healing over myself. And I feel like he's been, like, he wants to heal me. And I just feel like the end of May, I won't even need a surgery because there will be nothing to have surgery on. And I just feel like I needed to come up here and declare that. So... And so then what do we do? Let's say, 
Amen. We agree with you in the name of Jesus. We stand with you in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Good job. You did it. (laughs) Well, you can shake and be brave at the same time. You don't have to be like and brave. You can be. Regretted it because yeah. I feel like God was telling me to come up here. So. Good for you. Yeah. Good for you. I appreciate Good it. Thank you. Happy birthday to you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> oh, Lena, I just love you. Hangry. <clears throat> no. Well, I'm willing to pray anytime. I'm I'm available. <laughs> oh, God is good. So we're gonna. Oh, here comes some kiddos. Good. There you go. You guys can have some communion too. So the basic concept that Jesus had when they did the Lord's Supper. He took the bread which had been hidden away to represent the tomb. Brought it out. He broke the bread and said, this is my body. And so he's reminding us that by his broken body, we have these promises. Then he takes the cup, which is really the cup of the Messiah, that they had an expectant cup of him coming. And he says, this is the blood of my covenant. So all the promises that we're talking about are based on the shed blood of Jesus. So our healing is based upon his broken body for us, and Suzette asked me one time, she goes, why do you keep saying broken body? None of his bones were broken. His body was trashed. He was, it was, he was beaten, unrecognizable. He was beaten in the face. He was punched. He had his beard plucked out. He had that thorn, crown of thorns on his head, and they smashed it down with a reed. He was, had his back ripped wide open with 39 lashes so his body was broken even though his bones weren't he was bruised and broken for our transgressions but says all of his bones were in place as far as not being broken and so this is a promise and so even as we partake of this just be healed in the name of jesus be healed in the name of jesus we receive your body we receive your body let's take By your stripes we're healed. By your stripes we're healed. And Lord, your cup represents every promise is yes in your blood. It's the blood of the new covenant. Everything depends upon this. And so we thank you for the blood of Jesus and we release its power over each one of us to cleanse, to free, to release, to bring about every promise. In the name of Jesus Christ.
Now, how many people want prayer? Raise your hands if you would like prayer. So we got, yeah, raise it high. All right, so then see those hands. Let's keep them up. Grab somebody. Start praying for them. Just grab them. Make sure everyone gets someone to pray for them. 